we're now in the 21st century, and I think even a lot of the um, guided policy guidance and, and legal guidance that we developed around work in these kinds of globally distributed supply chains, that's actually getting upended as we look at digitization and what digitization is doing to the world of work. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Impact Studios podcast series here at the University of Michigan's Ross School of Business. I'm your host, Jerry Davis, faculty director of the Impact Studio, where we harness design and business acumen to create equitable, sustainable solutions for organizations. Creating a business today requires a radically different set of activities than it did even 10 years ago. My guest today is Bama Athreya, Deputy Assistant Administrator for the Bureau for Development, Democracy, and Innovation at USAID. This was the question, which is one of the most important recent developments around labor, uh, employment and labor markets that people should know about. So I have been working on labor rights issues in a variety of industries and supply chains for well over 20 years, as you know, Jerry, and, you know, started looking at some industries which at that time were quite cutting edge in how they were reorganizing production, uh, you know, talking 20, 25 years ago, apparel, footwear, the whole idea of, you know, outsourcing, um, producing around the world, just-in-time manufacturing, and, you know, going from there into various industries. So a few years ago, um, I was, you know, as, as someone who has worked on these issues globally for a long time, starting to be uh, aware of discussions around future of work. And I really, you know, was observing a lot of things on the ground in the countries that I, I typically have worked in, which are low wage uh, countries, developing countries like Bangladesh and Cambodia and um, you know, Mexico is an emerging economy, India is an emerging economy, Brazil, but these are the sorts of places I was spending my time. And it didn't look the same as what the future of work people were talking about, you know, we're talking about five years ago. So if you went into the discussions at, you know, the multilateral organizations like the ILO or the OECD, or they were talking about how robots were going to replace, automation was going to replace uh, these formal industrial sectors that employed a lot of people, right? And that was the disruption that those discussions were talking about. But that wasn't the disruption that I saw on the ground at all. What really seemed to be happening, uh, and you know, this had been something that that I think people who work on development in these countries and labor markets in these countries had observed for a long time, is this leapfrogging of technology that happens, especially in in very you know sort of poor developing countries, least developed countries. I, they don't go through, you know, the the um, things like the wired stage of telecommunications. They leapfrog straight to wireless. And similarly, we were seeing like this intrusion of social media platforms, Facebook, WhatsApp, becoming the primary modes of communication in some of these countries. Uh, you know, if you look at the stats, it's fascinating. Like. You know, the, the um, let me, I, I'm not going to remember this correctly, but I'm going to say it and then I'll correct it if it's wrong. But I believe like the greatest population of Facebook Messenger users is actually Cambodians. 
<laughs> and that's because that's the only way they actually communicate with each other. They've leapfrogged over even like, you know, mobile phone technology to, to what they can get their hands on and what they can use to communicate. So uh, what does this have to do with the world of work? So let's bring it back to the world of work, right? And how is it changing labor law? Well, you know, there's so many aspects to this, but I'm just going to talk about how platforms have become a very uh, important mode for connecting prospective workers and, and work and jobs, right, and employers in informal economies around the world. And here's what was super different than what was being discussed in these future of work discussions. In the developing world, most work is in, in the informal sector. Most work is in the informal sector. People have never had regular waged formal employment. So we're not talking about technology coming in and disrupting formal employment. We're talking about leapfrogged technology getting pasted into highly informalized economies. And people who were precarious anyway, and by precarious, I mean, that's like a term that, you know, we use to talk about people who don't know, right, what, what their income is going to be from day to day. They don't know if they're going to have work from day to day. They're living from task to task, from gig to gig. Gigs are not new. Gigs have been around forever. But now what's qualitatively different is to get that gig, you need the app, which means you need the phone. And the other thing that's qualitatively different that we've only just started talking about, and we should have been talking about it years ago, is it's not the robots, it's not the automation that we need to be concerned about. It's the use of artificial intelligence and particularly of algorithmic management. And that, to some things that you, know, you were talking about just a minute ago, goes back into, they, they're gonna you know, test drive all this use of algorithmic management on, you know, people who are taxi drivers in India, but that's going to come right back around and then be used to train the codes that will then manage us. <laughs> so that's, you know, I think I'll, I'll stop there because I've already gone on for a while, but I, I, you know, I think these are things that labor law is not nowhere in the world is labor law, particularly well-designed to deal with. Yeah. And, and what you're describing rolled out enforced during the pandemic when people were working for home so many companies rolled out these surveillance technologies to watch people on the computer and students are now used to it through services like proctorio or my daughter took the lsat a few months ago and you're like all right take your computer walk around the room show me what's under the table <laughs> uh, and if you get up and leave to use the restroom uh you are you are off the app and you fail the LSAT. <laughs> no, I think that's right. And I think, you know, as you know, like a lot of the what what uh, people I've been talking to in the research I've been doing is on people who are taxi drivers or moto, you know, pedicab drivers that are on apps and the apps are monitoring well beyond just how, you know, when did they log on and when did they log off? The apps are picking up, you know, other data from their phones as well. And there's no, basically there are no guardrails right now. And that's the problem both with the example you gave on surveillance technology, you know, in, in the finance and banking sector and for someone who's a moto, you know, taxi driver um, in Bangladesh or Cambodia, it's the same lack of guardrails on what can you collect 
and what can you do with it? Because the reality is, um, you know, it's because the resource of data has been made freely available and companies aren't sure how they're going to get to use it, how they can figure out how to monetize it in future. They're scooping up a lot more data. We're just talking about workers, but they're scooping up a lot more data about workers than they need for the purpose stated. And they're scooping up that data because they figure it's a free resource. No one's telling us we can't take it. And perhaps we'll figure out some other clever use for it where we can monetize all this other information we have about these people in future. So that's one aspect. But then the other thing that you raise, again, that at both ends, at both that, you know, kind of high wage and low wage end of the spectrum is... Um, the lack of a human in the loop. And this is such, this is an ethical dilemma. It's a business dilemma, you know, and it's certainly a worker rights dilemma. If you assume that you don't need human beings to cross check the decisions that algorithms are making, then you put everybody into a very surreal situation so there's that now with the good news. And I, you know, I think it's important to talk about this is we can still put the brakes on this, right? We can say companies must put a human in the loop. You may not use algorithms to fire somebody. And that was a, that's a big thing that, you know, of course, this report that I'm talking about worker and folks change have been contesting in the EU. And as you know, the European union has just put out some new guidance on platform work. And that is one of the things that's part of the guidance. I mean, you can't, leave people with no human recourse to contest these decisions. This has been the Impact Studio podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening. This podcast was produced in collaboration with Glenn Bugala.